Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. How many of you know what we're talking about? Well, in case you haven't been here lately, <laughs> we'll fill you in. We have been talking about God's list of priorities in the life of the believer. And we said that He has established these priorities. And because He has established them, you... Well, you could say you have a choice whether you want to keep them or not. If you want to say that. But I say you have no choice if you want to be blessed. And as far as I'm concerned, if you'll do what He says in His Word and be obedient to what He says in His Word, the blessings of God will overcome you and overtake you. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed in a basket, blessed in a store, blessed in your body. Amen? Blessed coming in, blessed going out, the head not the tail, above not beneath. Hallelujah. And that's thoroughly blessed. I mean, inside and outside, just plain old blessed. That's it. But notice he said, If thou wilt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe and do these things. So let's just give you a quick rundown for those of you that may not have been with us. Number one, the first priority in the life of any human being is his relationship with God the Father. We start out by saying that Adam was created before Eve, and he was not a man until he met God, his Father. Until the Father breathed into him the breath of life, he wasn't a man. And if you're not born again today, you're not a man. You're a walking dead man. But when you meet the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, you will become alive in Christ. Amen? So number one, you must establish... Now notice that the Father established a relationship first with the man. But because man sinned and died... Now, man must establish the relationship with the Father by choosing Jesus Christ to be his Lord and personal Savior. Amen. He's done all he's going to do about that relationship. So your first relationship, your first priority in life is to establish a relationship with the Father God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Then come along the ladies. See, Adam then came Eve. And he said, it's not good that man should be alone, but he made a help, meet or suitable for the man, which is the lady or the woman or as the scripture really means, the female man or the womb man, as we said previously. Just to reiterate a, little, a, few, a few of these things we've talked about. And so the second thing on, second list, second priority on God's list of priorities is the relationship between the man and his wife. And then we said that uh, the third relationship would be established between the family or the husband and wife and the children. That's number three. For Eve said, The Lord has given unto me a man. Amen. And then we said number four would be our relationship with the body of Christ, our local pastor, local body of Christ, local fellowship. And then your employer or employees, whichever the case may be. We've come to number two on this list. We've, we've discussed them over and over, but as I was led to expound on each, each subject... I'm led this evening to continue the husband and wife relationship. And uh, we found that the book of Titus listed some things, the responsibility with the husband and wife, the mother and the father. And we pursued it from, first of all, the aspect of a marriage relationship has to be established, first of all, when the children are growing up. You don't just get together one day and say, well, we're going to get married... Start telling us about the married life. It doesn't work that way. Now, we're, remember something. The Word of God has an answer for everybody's circumstance or situation that you're in. You'll just have to wait till we get to your situation or your circumstance. But as of right now, we, we started by addressing ourselves to parents. And of course, your children are not married yet. They're just little ones growing up. You are obligated and responsible by the Word of God to train up that child in the way he should go so that when he gets old, he won't depart from it. And that means in the area of husband and wife relationship. 
Mothers are to teach their children according to Titus, the book of Titus, the second chapter. You can read verses 3 and 4 and 5. And it, they're responsible to teach them how to love their husbands and how to love their children and to be good, discreet keepers of the home. That's the responsibility of the mother. And then we said it's the responsibility of the father according to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And we could read verses 1 through 4 if you want to, but we'll get to it. Like I said, stay in the book of Exodus. You are responsible as a father to teach your children and admonish them and have them to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We are to teach our children how to live a lifestyle that conforms to Christianity. They are to be taught how a father should take care of the household. And they're going to see it by the example that the father gives. So, the ideal marriage relationship begins in the household with the parents and how well they instruct their children in the marriage relationship. Then we, which we're going to get more into tonight, is the people that are actually seeking a mate. Because it's, if it's the number two thing in your life, you should pursue it just as you pursued Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If this is number two on your list, then you better pursue this the way the Word of God says we should. Amen? And establish this in your life before you get married, because you may, have to, you may find yourself in another part of the Word of God that you might not want to be in. Like wife, do you have an unbelieving husband? Or husband, do you have an unbelieving wife? What am I going to do? Well, how's this going to work out? You've got division. You've got strife. You've got envy. What am I going to do? I'll tell you what. If you're not married yet, you listen with open ears. Because we found out, and we'll get to the Scripture to you, how in Joshua we're told there'll be pricks in your sides, scourges in your sides, there'll be thorns in your eyes if you intermarry. Now, there's a blessing for both the parent and for the child. And the blessing is long life and well days upon the earth. If the parent will do this for his or her, their children, then the parent will have long life and see good days on this earth. If the children will diligently hearken to the voice of their parents, then the children, they'll also have long life and health. Don't use your faith as the last resort. You better use your obedience while you can so that when it's time to use your faith, it will work for you. You obey your parents. As a matter of fact, that's where I want you to go right now. Exodus, the 20th chapter, verse 12. Parents, by no means have we covered uh, all the duties of parenthood. There's no, no way have we even begun. As a matter of fact, we may get into a seminar on the family, and praise God, maybe we can get in-depth on every single aspect of it. That would be good, Amen. But as of right now, we're just touching each to give you some ideas right now how you can begin to have this kind of relationship in your household so that you could uh, begin to open up the window gates of heaven in your life and watch your faith begin to work in a mighty way. Now, let's look at this 12th verse. Honor thy father and thy mother. Give honor unto your parents, children. Why? That your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God giveth thee. The book of Ephesians goes and expounds. Paul refers back to this. He says that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Well days are healthy days. There are a lot of people that wonder why. Well, my faith just doesn't seem to work for healing. I wonder why it doesn't work for healing. Because when you went off to school and started talking about your parents the way you did to the other kids, you are breaking the commandment of God. You're not honoring your mother and your father. And when you begin to say, well, my parents just, they don't know what, they just don't understand. They don't know. Dear God, dear God, dear God, my parents are just this way and they're, look out. If you're not honoring your mother and your father, then we could just put in the reverse of that. Your days will not be long on this earth and they won't be well days either. Now, if you have knowledge of that right now, take heed and listen to what he's saying. Because the scripture is true. You'll have good days on this earth and you'll have a long life. Now, the other scripture references, if you want them, are Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, Colossians 3 and 20. Let's just scoot over to the book of Proverbs and let's give you another scripture in the 30th chapter. I just want to give some of you that are 
get into a place that you're ready to leave home. Or if you're still in between there, you're not old enough for marriage or anything like that. Just to give you a little bit more insight into what the Scriptures declare about your relationship with your parents. And listen, I don't care if your parents are hard-nosed. I don't care if they're... You know, it doesn't matter if they're... Maybe, maybe one of your parents isn't saved. Maybe some of you are saved out there. Maybe both of your parents are not saved. I don't know. I mean, you may fall in that category. But if you will honor the Word of God, God will honor you. If you'll be faithful to His Word, He'll be faithful to you. You don't do anything out, out of the boundaries of your Christian walk. You don't do anything in the area of sin. You're not going to do, sin it just because your parent tells you to sin. You're not going to rob a store because your parent tells you to rob a store. No. You'll honor them as far as the word honor goes according to God's Word. And then when it gets beyond that, then you have to stand your ground and declare what the Word of God says and put God first. That's why if we'll look at it from this standpoint, God is always first. And he'll not ask you to go beyond his word in any area of your life. 30th chapter. Let's take a look here at verse 17. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagle shall eat it or devour it up. This is what people are looking for. Keep that thought in mind. Go back to the 20th chapter. Verse 20. Whoso curseth his father or his mother, now listen, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Now I'm speaking to you children, or those of you that are to a place you're not married yet, or you're thinking about it, whatever. As long as you're still there under the guidance of your parents, whoso curseth, we said that cursing, and I think some of you here by now should know that what cursing means. Many, there's many ways, but one way is speaking against. A curse is pronounced when we speak with our mouth. Jesus cursed the fig tree. Whoso curses his parents, that lamp is going to be put out. You, you know, he doesn't want us to speak evil or negative against our parents. Now, when you get off into high school, when you get off into grade school, people, you know, young ones have a tendency to think they know it all. I mean, how many out there that were in high school didn't think you knew it all? Think about it. I mean, you know, well, hey, I just know it all. Of course, your parents, they was older than what they know. They didn't know anything, as far as you were concerned. But when you grew up and said, oh, is that why they said I'm always good when I sleep? <laughs> Did you notice how you start quoting your parents once you get older? Yeah, why? Well, they had a little, you know, a little bit more wisdom than you did at the beginning there. See? But see, they get off and get married and they have their, you know, the, the mother's been through the whole day with the kids. And then they finally get them down the street and they say... Oh, yeah, they're really good when they sleep. Praise God. You know, and it's just a saying, but see, when you look back and, and your parents were saying stuff like that, you think they didn't know what they were talking about, but they knew what they were talking about, didn't they? And as you grow up, you begin to see that, yeah, they had a little bit more wisdom than I thought they had. Well, there's a curse. See, whoso curseth his father and his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. I just want you to grab a hold of some of these things. Jesus said we are to honor our mother and our father. Go back to the first chapter of Proverbs, just to quickly give you some of these scriptures. Verse 8. You know, we're talking about wisdom. We want to have wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. Well, look at in the very first chapter of the book of Proverbs where it talks to us about wisdom. Verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother. Now, let me go back and qualify all this. Your mother and your father are supposed to be walking godly lives they are supposed to be sound in faith, charity, and patience. And they're supposed to be teaching you in the ways of the Lord. All right, now you see what he's saying here? And for that reason, you are to listen to what they're saying. They know more than you do. Spiritual growth is somewhat like natural physical growth. They have passed on through some things in their spiritual walk that you have not come to yet. And so you can learn from their experience and don't have to go through it. We're taught as believers, we are to learn from the examples of the Old Testament, all the things that happened, how they didn't walk by faith, how they murmured against God. So don't murmur against God. If we would follow their examples and take heed to what happened, then we could follow our, our pattern after somebody who was a success and not somebody who was a complete failure. If I wanted to pick somebody out of the Old Testament that I'm going to follow my pattern, you know, pattern my life after, Caleb would be pretty close to the top of the list. 
I wholly follow the Lord, he said. Amen? And because of it, the Lord rewarded me, and 45 years have come and gone. I'm just as strong today at 85 as I was at 40. Well, Caleb, I'm right on your tracks. Hallelujah to Jesus. And so there are examples, and our parents are examples to us. If you were not raised in a Christian home, in a Christian atmosphere, one that's filled with faith and so on, and etc., etc., well, then you're just going to have to be the one to be the dominant factor. You're going to have to be the one who knows what the Word of God says and still honor and obey your parents even if they're not in the, in the things of the Lord or deep in the things of the Lord or even not saved. You honor them to what you can honor them with. As again I said, if they tell you to sin, you don't sin. Amen? You don't do that. You don't go that far. You just stand for your rights in the Word of God. Okay. Let's go to another scripture here and we'll just... Well... I don't, you don't have to turn to it. Just take my word for it that in Luke, the second chapter, you can read verses 41 right on through 52. The Bible says that Jesus Christ of Nazareth at the age of 12 years old was in subjection to his parents. He was subject to his parents in all things. And Colossians 3.20 says that we are to be in subjection to our parents in all things. It's, and he went on to say, it is well-pleasing, well-pleasing. Did you know that there are some things that please God? How many of you know that without faith it's impossible to please him. Did you notice that scripture in Colossians 3.20, what it says there? You better turn to it then. You better turn to it. Especially if you're, if you fall in this category. Colossians 3 and 20. We're to obey our parents. Children, obey your parents in all things. Now, now all things here means all things according to the word of God. Not in sin, not in doing anything that's contrary to God's Word. Now, he's saying here, obey your parents in all things, for this is what? Well, faith pleases God, and so does obeying your parents. And that puts that up on a high list of priorities. If the Word of God says faith pleases God, and so does obeying our parents well then blessed be God I have to say that your faith is going to work a whole lot faster because you're pleasing in the sight of your father don't you remember that Jesus says I, do all, I always do everything that pleases my father I do all things that's pleasing in your sight well this is pleasing in the sight of God your father I will say it again those of you that are young it may seem as though that your parent is wrong. It may seem as though you want to rebel you may think that they don't know it all or you may think that they're wrong as long as they're not leading you away from God's Word, you are to respect and to honor them and to obey them in all things. And God, your Heavenly Father, will reward you openly because it is well-pleasing in the sight of our Father God. And Jesus did it. Now, when it comes to... Go back to Joshua and we'll, we'll tie this in. 23rd chapter. I know that when we have teenagers, and you may say, you don't have a teenager, how can you know? Well, I know what the Word of God says. And He's the Father of us all. Amen. And I know that the Word of God has an answer for every problem that there is in this world. Amen. Sometimes our young ones in this area, now we're talking about the area of dating and we're talking about the area of marriage. Some of the children, they just want to do what they want to do in this area. And parents, that's where your wisdom comes in to get to them to show them the rights and the wrongs. And you better know them yourself if you have a child that's in that category. You better know what's right and what's wrong in the area of dating. You better know what the Word of God says concerning the husband and wife relationship. And you better start giving them some solid answers as to why you should or should not date this person or that individual. And as to why or why not you should not marry this person. You better start giving them some solid answers. Founded on the Word of God. Not just because I said so. I think that's where the church has missed it and failed down through the ages. The, you know, those that were the... Founders, they always had the Word of God to show forth. And I think as they begin to move on from generation to generation, it, they must have got something like this. In the beginning, they said, the Word of God says so. Then as they went on and went on and went on, each generation started to go by. They started doing things like, well, son, you ought to do it because I said so. 
God said it, and so I say so, so you, you just do it the way I said to do it. I said, don't do that, and they say, well, why, Dad? Because I said so. Or why, Mom? Because I said so. And your said so doesn't amount to a heel of beans if it's against God's Word. And I say it with all the love in my heart. I wouldn't be satisfied with that answer, and you wouldn't be satisfied with that answer if your boss came to you and said, do it because I said so. Now, why's it got to be done? How's it got to be done? You give your children, you owe your children an answer from God's Word and say, now listen, the Father God said this. Now, go to Joshua, 23rd chapter, and we'll show you why. And I know we're recovering some things, but that's okay. You need to get it in your heart. The 23rd chapter, this is why we are not to get involved with non-believers. And we're going to tie in the difference between a nation like the Israeli nation, the Jewish nation, and the heathen nation on the outside. There's a slight difference between the Jew and the Gentile and the body of Christ. Now, I know it's, it's typical of the spiritual Israel. But you see, all the laws are not going to pertain in, in the area of marriage because you're going to see that some... Well, just give me, let me give you this for an example. Can you imagine a Jew, two Jews, okay? Two Jewish people that are married. Can you imagine one getting born again and the other one saying, Oh, I don't believe in Jesus. Can you imagine what kind of conviction you're going to have there? Can you see that? Can you see how hard that would be? There wouldn't be any harmony there. They couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't stay together. How could they be together like that? Why do you think the book of Hebrews was, was written? Some of them was getting saved and going off and, and they had to deny the Jewish faith. So that means they had to separate themselves from their families. Of course, they couldn't believe in Christ. They wouldn't do that. And so they wouldn't break away from their faith. And some of them, when, it, when they got to trials and tribulations and temptations, etc., 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 they let go of the faith in Christ and went back to the Jewish Religion and doctrine. And to do that, it meant to deny Christ. And so we're going to see as we go along in this study that there is a great deal of importance in establishing your relationship with that person that you're going to marry. And we're not talking about nations. We are talking about children of God and children of the devil. And they have no right mixing. And if you know that now, you better establish that in your life right now. I'll go a step further than that, but let's, let's read this. 23rd ver chapter, verse 11. Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves that you love the Lord your God, else if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them and go in unto them, and they to you know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you, scourges in your sides, thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God giveth you, had given you. And we can just tie that right on in. There are a lot of people, I know that there's, there's ministers here tonight. I know that when you counsel with people, it just never seems to fail. Someone always says, my husband is a thorn in my side. Or my wife is just a prick in my eye. Or there's scourges in my sides and this and that. And it seems as though there's such a, a war. Sometimes I can say, I wish I could take you back to before you got married. I mean that with all the love of my heart. I mean that. In Deuteronomy, he, we read that over there. If, if you weren't here, seventh chapter, you read verses 1 through 7. He said, they'll stop you from, it'll hinder you from worshiping me. It'll hinder you from loving me. It'll separate you, to a, get you to a place that you're separating yourself from the true relationship you have with me. And it's not supposed to do that. Your relationship between your husband and wife is supposed to solidify your relationship with God the Father. It is supposed to cause an agreement to come together between the husband and the wife that is ten times more powerful. Can you imagine that kind of relationship? Yet on the other hand, you've got strife and division between the two, and it doesn't become powerful, it becomes weaker. We already discussed some of this, but you've got to hear it again and over and get it down into your heart and realize it, especially if you're contemplating marriage. Now, faith is not a way out. If you think that you're going to get married while your mate the person that you're desiring to marry, is not born again, or you've already made marriage plans 
and he or she is going to get saved in that period of time, then let me say this. If you've been raised in the church, if you've been born again, two, three, four, five, ten years, and that person, especially if it's the man, is not born again as of yet, and of course he's 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, in this area, you have got a, he has got a lot of ground to cover before he could get near your place of spiritual growth. You'll still be unequally yoked in the area of faith and your relationship with God the Father. And don't think you're going to get on your knees day after day and then pray the prayer of faith and intercede and use your faith and say, well, bless God, I'll just pray until he becomes... Because I'll tell you what, if he or she has not conformed to, to Christ and is not moving on in the same spiritual pattern you are, then your prayers are not going to change him after you get married. If he's not doing it now or she's not doing it now, you might as well just step aside and say, this is not for me. This is totally against the Word of God. I want to say it again as loud as I can. It's against the Word of God. I'm learning more about it every day. The more I study it, the more I see it. I can see the whys. You say, why? Okay, listen, here's your answer. He said it right there. He or she will be a thorn in your eye, a scourge in your side, and it will be harder for God to drive out the enemy in your life. Not that anything's hard for God. It's just that there's strife, there's division, there's envy. It may be good as long as you're doing carnal things, but when it comes time to start to worship God, pray around the table, pray before you eat your food, and pray before you go to bed, and read the Bible to the kids, and etc., 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 you're going to have a confrontation, you're going to have a confliction there. And I don't care if he or she says it, well, when you first get, you know, you're contemplating marriage. Well, I'll let you do that. Yeah, I'll let you send them wherever you want them to go. That's okay. That's okay. But then as soon as you get married, then look out. Everything breaks loose. Your first mistake is your lack of obedience to the Word of God. And I'll say something else. You have got to obey God's Word if His blessings are going to be upon you. So if you're in that category tonight, take heed to what's being said. Don't make the mistake. Well, if, if, let's say you are contemplating, well, you say you want to get married. Let's, let's go to the, back to Proverbs. Then what right do I have to stand and how can I stand in faith to believe that God will supply me a mate? Well, you know as well as I do, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word, right? If that is true, then you cannot base your faith beyond the Word of God. And you cannot base what you're believing upon your knowledge of the Word of God. There are certain rules for prayer. There are certain rules that govern the spiritual life. We have got to conform to them and be obedient to them. In the 18th chapter of the book of Proverbs, I'm going to show you what the Word of God says about finding a wife or a mate in any area. Either way, husband or for a wife. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so in order to believe something, you've got to have faith. You've got to have the Word for it. In the 22nd verse of the 18th chapter, the Scripture says, Whoso findeth a wife. Notice that a wife has got to be found. Whoso findeth a wife. Findeth a good thing. And obtaineth favor of the Lord. Now the Father said in the beginning, It's not good that man should be alone. But it was good that he have a wife. Notice he, he, he says it right here. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Okay. Go to the 31st chapter. Findeth a wife. A wife has to be found. Look at the 10th verse. And I'm not being prejudiced here. You just, you know what I'm saying. You go back either if it's wife or for the husband. In verse 10 of the 31st chapter. Who could find a virtuous woman? And he's talking about for a wife, because you can go on and see the heart of her husband in verse 11. For her price is far above rubies. Find a virtuous woman. If you are seeking a, a wife, 
then the Word of God says, well, whoso findeth that wife or findeth a virtuous woman is finding a good thing. Do you know that you have the right in God's Word by faith, your faith, to believe God for guidance in finding your wife? Those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. This is a two-way street. You do not have power over the will of the individual. You cannot say, well, I'm just going to choose so-and-so for my wife. I mean, he or she may not want to marry you. But you can't stand there and say, well, blessed be God, in the name of Jesus I can have what I say. See, that doesn't apply there. So I say that that woman's going to be my wife. Well, it doesn't work that way. You can't apply it like that. And I'll tell you why. God looks on the heart of man. You look on the outward appearance. On the outward appearance, that person may seem like a fine mate for you, even if the person's born again. But God knoweth the heart. He knows what's off down the road. And because it's so important in your life, you think He's going to withhold from you information pertaining to that relationship? No, He's going to tell you. As a matter of fact, I heard one minister say that at, up at the altar, a woman was up at the altar, and he just began to, uh, he, was, he got into the Spirit. Now, he didn't know that this girl was contemplating marriage, but the Word of the Lord came forth through him and said, Don't marry now. Wait, for the Lord has something better for you. Now, can you imagine when you're ready, to, I mean, you're just all ready to get married, and that Word comes forth? God has your interest at heart. And He knows what's going on down the road. And do you know that that person obeyed that Word? There's a lot of people that would not have. And that's why I want to get back to show you that your outward appearance and the feelings, your emotional feelings that you have towards that other person may overcome and dominate the leading of the voice of God in your spirit. Because your first reaction to the opposite sex is going to be a physical attraction. And if allowed, it will dominate in your emotional feelings towards that person. And when the voice, you, as a matter of fact, you'll get so hardened to the voice of God, you won't want to hear Him say, "Don't marry now." How many of you? How many of you ever heard? You know, parents say, "I tried to tell them to wait, but they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't listen." Listen to your parents; they got a little bit more wisdom. And then two years off down the road, you see them almost near the divorce court, and and, this, and you know the parents almost say, "Well, didn't I tell you to wait?" But no, it was because of their outward. I'll tell you what. Let me let me. Put it where it belongs. It's because people that stand behind pulpits like these don't stand there and preach and teach the truths of God's Word and the, the things that should be, I, I think, major in the body of Christ today. These are major things, not minor things. The church is major than the minors. But these are major things of major importance in the body of Christ. Everybody should have family seminars in their ministries to give light and shed light on these things. Amen? So that people could know what to do. And how to pursue it. No, kids, your parents aren't against you. They're God. They're for you. God's for you. You line up with what the Word says. And if your parents line up with what the Word says, you've got yourself a house like Abraham's. 18th chapter, we read that, where he says, I could bless everybody now because Abraham's obedient to teach his family and his children. And his children's children. Well, let's go on to the 19th chapter of the book of Proverbs. I'll give you some more insight before we continue on. See, you, you keep these scriptures down now, especially if you're looking. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Did you get that? A prudent wife is a successful one, an intelligent one, a skillful one. A prudent wife, this is Proverbs 19. Did I give it 14? Is that, that what I said? 19, 14. House and and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from who? You know, Abraham knew that. He said, go find my son Isaac a wife. Didn't he? Servant said, well, what if she don't want to come? Well, the Lord will send his angel before you. Now, see, you can, ask, you can do it just like that. Now, Father God, you know that I need a wife. A prudent one at that. A virtuous one. Amen. 
You said if I find a wife, I find it a good thing. I know I've got angels that minister for me. You did it for Abraham. I know you do it for me. And see, it won't be as hard as some people think. If you have that kind of heart towards God, He's going to work on your behalf to get to you the right person. And He'll do it for you. And I mean one that's equally yoked with you, one that's walking by faith with you. I've rehearsed this with Lisa over and over again. Lisa, you're marrying a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, faith-walking, divine healing, preaching, walking. Amen. Living epistle of the living Christ, read and known of all men. Anything short of that, forget. I mean, that's pretty simple to pick out, isn't it? See? At least it just makes it just, just as blunt as could be. That's it. That's who you're marrying. Amen? And you should feel the same way. You should get the best. Don't you believe that? And your Heavenly Father will send you that one. If, you, if you've got faith and believe that. People who exercise their faith, why don't we exercise our faith in these here important things? Because it works. Well, let's go to another scripture, the 12th chapter of Proverbs. This is wisdom now. Don't forget that this is what the Word of God says on the subject. Verse 4, 12th chapter. Now notice this, how it ties in some of these things. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. Now the crown stands for the reward of victory or a mark of honor. Can you see that? This virtuous woman is, a, is victory in the life of the husband. He's achieved a mark of honor when he finds that virtuous woman. But look at the last part. But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. Boy, if we let some of these things soak in, we... As... No, he didn't say that it is rottenness in his bones. It says as. As. You check the 14th chapter. Hold your finger there. You check the 14th chapter. There's something else that's rottenness in your bones. A sound heart, this is verse 30, is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. In verse 30 of the 15th chapter, the light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. So listen to me. If you got yourself a wife that maketh you ashamed, you got an evil report. Now, I'm talking about you that's not married. You better get a hold of this and grab a hold of it and begin to study the Word of God on the subject and find out before you get yourself into these things. And I wouldn't have known that everybody had sound teaching that they could sit under and counsel before they got it. I really do. And I wish I had more knowledge in the beginning. But praise God, I'm learning. And I'm going to share with you all that I learned. This is number two on the list of God's priorities. It is next to your salvation. It is very important in your life. And you better, you know, pursue it the way the Word of God says. You'll stop a whole wave of calamities coming your way by this one step of obedience. Seeking the virtuous woman. Vice versa. It doesn't matter which way you look at it. So a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. But he that, she that maketh a shame is as rottenness of the bones. Now, the first, we said the first, write down this word if you don't have it already written down. The first reaction towards the couple is going to be a physical, what we call, the word for love is eros, E-R-O-S. It's a physical attraction one towards another. That physical attraction that you have is going to work on your emotions. If you are right now in the area where you're wanting to date, etc., etc., and you begin to date somebody who's not born again, not saved, not filled with the Spirit, not living for God, not born again, if you allow your feelings... Matter of fact, why would you want to allow your feelings to get so deeply involved with somebody like that? I'm not saying that the person could not someday be a... Someone on fire for God. I'm not saying that. I'm saying your, the, the main purpose for the fellowship is to share your lives one with another. 
He has nothing or she has nothing in common with you if your heart is right with your Father God. If you are living a life that is centered around the Word of God. If you're living a life to where the Word of God, the things of the Spirit of God, and all the things of faith and of love are abounding in your life and you're walking that way, then you're not going to have anything in common with the other individual. That's number two. Eros is the physical attraction that you have towards that person. And that cannot and will not make a marriage. As a matter of fact, every marriage that was based on Eros is either at the divorce court or they are living a miserable life suffering day by day and only stay together for the children's sake or for the parents' sake or for some moral reason. But yet they're living miserable. And there may be a few exceptions, but that's about it. Why would you want to establish a relationship with somebody that knows nothing about your life? He's in darkness or she's in darkness and you're in the light. Now, you want to get him saved first? Get him saved. I'm going to put it this way. You have no right to get that person involved in your life because his or her feelings can be hurt when you know you have no intention, and if you're in this area to where you want to get married, and cannot marry the person, and you have no intention on pursuing the same kind of life he or she wants, you have no right to get him involved with you and demand that he change his life or she change her life. You better establish number one first. I'm a child of God. I am born again. I am spirit-filled. I walk by the Word of God. I live by the Word of God. And because of it, I don't want to hurt you if you don't understand it, then explain it to them. Show them what the Word says, or her, whichever the case may be. But establish, number one, in your life that this is what you believe, and this is what the Word says, and this is first in my life. I have established my relationship with the Father, and that's all there is to it. And there's no reason to pursue it any further if the person does not want to hear it. I mean that. I mean that with all my heart. Because you have no right to hurt that person. His feelings are involved, too. Don't get him hurt because that's the way you're going to be. But I'll tell you what, if you continue to do that, you'll get to a place to where both your feelings are involved and it may override the Word of God. It may override the Holy Spirit and you'll go off and get yourself married and you're going to make your bed and you're going to have to sleep in that bed. And it may be, mean misery for the rest of your life. I mean that. Boy, I mean that with all, all my heart. So young people, don't do it. Don't hurt the other person and don't hurt yourself. Just don't do it. You find that born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, faith-walking, love-walking, divine-healing-walking. You find that person. They won't understand what you're talking about. It'll take you the first 20 years of your married life to get them, on fire, to get them where you know. Think about it. How can that person be the head of the household that doesn't know anything about the Word of God? 30 years old already, knows not one thing about the Word of God, doesn't know anything about spiritual things, but yet you're going to get married to this person and you're way off here in spiritual things. I'll tell you what, before you get him up to where you are, he may get you down to where he's at. And in too many cases, that's exactly the way it happens. I don't know why the Lord led me hard on that subject, but I guess when you see a lot of hurt, I'll tell you what, I could just cry sometimes. I could get on my knees before God and say, Father God, why? Why can't these people receive this light and this knowledge before they enter into this relationship? And I know where it lies. And I see it now. And I thank God that we're going to rectify this. I'm going to start right here in this body right here. And I'm just going to pray, God, that everybody else around here begins to give the same kind of light to the people before they get themselves in this kind of bondage. Because, beloved, it's bondage. It's bondage. I mean that. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean that. And I mean you talk about someone who's walking the faith walk. I'll go as far as to say this. You can get somebody who's genuinely born again, but not walking by faith. And I'll tell you what, you're still not going to have any compatibility there. They're not going to be able to get together and, and walk the same walk. 
So the Lord knows the hearts of the people. He knows where they're at. And He's going to be the one to give to you that, that person that you want and the person that you need. The one that's going to be on that same level with you to walk the same walk. And if anybody has their heart right with God and put Him first, you're going to have that relationship. So that's the first thing to look for. The second thing to look for is compatibility. That's called storge. S-T-O-R-G-E. And it, all it is is means to be... It's, it's love. It means love. It's the next form of love, a higher form of love. You have same likes. Or you may be genuinely born-again Christians. But you have different interests. Well, if you can't come to a place of agreement, and if you can't walk by faith, and this is a two-way street, because I'll tell you what, when you get into this relationship, it's going to mean a lot of giving. You're going to have to give. You may have wanted to watch every ball game on TV. You may have wanted to work on every car that comes your way. Your interest might be just in motors and this and that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that might be your interest at heart. Well, when the wife comes along, she might have this she likes to do. Now, I've seen more marriages destroyed because all he likes is this, the football, the baseball, the basketball, the wrestling, the boxing, and the cars, and this and that. And all he does is goes that way. All she is is a maid, a slave, cooks, cleans, watches kids. He doesn't do that. He's got all his other interests. And before you know it, you've got one going that way, one going that way, and they're only going to last as long as they could stand each other. And before you know it, you've got a divorce court. Why? They had no interests. Now, you get these things in, a, in even a person that's not saved, as long as you get they have the physical attraction one towards another. They're compatible. They like the same things, have the same likes. See, they like to do things together. At least they have communication. They can communicate one to another. Okay? They can live their life that way. They can be a help to each other. Not one's going that way, one's going this way. Then, of course, the children, they're left, you know, all they are is a burden. Oh, it was beautiful when they was born, but now they're keeping me from doing this and keeping me from doing that. And that's not a right attitude. And before you know it, you've got chaos in the household. So, number two, look for someone who's compatible to your lifestyle and who is willing to conform and to give up, I'll say and or, who is willing to give up or to conform to some of your likes. It's a two-way street. He may have to give up something and you may have to give up something. But you better be willing to give up part of your life for him or for her. Either way it goes. That's being compatible. That's having same likes. Why? It's going to cause a communication. You're going to be able to communicate one with another and show your affections one towards another together. And the things you'll be doing, we'll be doing you'll be doing them together. If you don't have this in a marriage, then you're going to find out that... And these are just, just helpful hints for you to look for when you're finding your virtuous woman. And if you can't get that straightened out before marriage, don't think you're going to get it straightened out after marriage. If you're not willing to conform to his football watching, then don't get married. Can you see that? And if you're not willing to conform to being the spiritual head of the household, ladies, you better not marry that fellow. It takes a man to stand before the Almighty God and say, I am the head of this household and responsible for it. And we're going to walk by faith and walk in love. And let me say that while we're there. If you're not purposing in your heart right now to walk in love, divine love, then you better stop right here. You better declare that you're going to walk in divine love, both man and woman. Because to establish this kind of relationship, it takes both parties to walk in divine love or you're going to have a lopsided situation. You're going to have one person who is completely walking by love because if they say one word out of love, look out. The house comes down. So they have to walk completely in love at all times. They're not allowed to make one mistake. And there are some people that are in that situation. But the Word of God will show us how to get out of these situations. And thank God that it does. So if you're in this area that you're contemplating marriage, these are some things that you need to know. Doctrinal differences are very important. Very important in your life. If you're not going to follow the same doctrine and walk the same walk, you've got a problem there. It has to be taken care of before you enter into a relationship. Phileo love is the next form of love. It's responsive love. It responds to the other person's love. As long as it's in the positive, it's a okay 
But when it gets to the negative, it's no good. We've talked about it before. It's not enough to hold your marriage together. A physical attraction is not enough. Compatibility is not enough. Phileo love is not enough. Responding towards his good deeds or her good deeds. We've talked about that. She does you good, you do him good. She makes you a nice meal, you go out and buy him a tie. You do this, she does that. Back and forth, back and forth. Then she gets upset, you get mad. She does this, you get upset. Back and forth. When it's in the negative, that kind of love is responsive. It just reacts the same way. It's not good, it's selfish. So your marriage relationship must be established upon the divine love of God. You are aggressing towards her. He is aggressing towards you. You both are aggressing towards the Father heart of God. Now picture this. Picture a man who is so on fire for God. He purposes in his heart to become a living epistle of the living Christ. He purposes in his heart to walk by faith. He purposes in his heart to walk in the divine love of God, to be sound in love, patience, and faith. He purposes in his heart to follow everything that the Word of God declares to be so. And the Father God is the number one in his life. And the woman, she's on fire for God. She wants to live for Him. She wants to walk by faith, walk in complete divine health. She wants to walk by, in love, walk in patience. She wants to walk in all, all that the Word of God says. And her heart is so fixed on Him and trusting in Him that she gives her all and all to Him. Now these two people, they get together. And they are ten times stronger when they get together against all the forces of the demons of hell. All the wickedness that could come their way. They're a house on fire for God. Look out, devil. You think that's something way that our kids get born? I mean that. He is aggressing towards his wife with divine love. That means he is never taking account the evil that she does to him. She's paying no attention to what he does wrong towards her or him, either way. All he sees in his woman, his wife, is the best and believes the best about her. He doesn't go off and say, my wife's lazy and doesn't do this and doesn't do that. He goes off and says, oh, glory to God, I've got the best wife that God made available. That's, there's no one better. There may be someone just as good, but there's nobody better. And she's going off and saying, oh, my husband, he's not a bum. He's not this. He's not that. Oh, he, he just loves God. He loves the Father so much. He lives his, his life this way. Can you see these two people getting together? Some people say they love each other so much that it's just, you know. Yeah, that's good. I like to hear that. They love each other so much. They're so on fire for God. And the love of God is so radiant through them. Their prayers are never, uh, never hindered. They're always answered. They always get their prayers answered. They always seem to always have the blessings of God. It always seems that all things are going right for them. Why, 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 why? Because the power of God is magnified. Can you imagine that ten times greater in that per- those people's lives? And when their children get in it, look out. Look out. This is what He has designed on this earth. This is why He's designed it to be this way. He wants it to be this way. And you've got it in your control right now if you're not already married. And this is who we're talking to. Well, dear Lord, I thought we were going to get through some of this. But let's just, just start into something that I want to get into. 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, and we'll have to do it. Can you wait till we get back? You're going to have to because, right? But I, want, I wanted to, ex, you know, just continue to exhort in the one area of if you are not married, you cuddle up to the Holy Spirit. You take the advice of your godly parents. You listen to the voice of God. You be open. Don't be hard-headed about just because you really think you care for a person. It may be the hardest thing to do to separate from that person, but it will save you a lifetime of disaster. And can you imagine that there person out there that is walking the walk that you are walking for God just waiting to meet you? You know, when that girl found that, a year later, that girl, as I finished that story, was she came back with, a minister husband on fire for God, walking in love and walking by faith. And I'll tell you what, she was just so excited, just glorifying God. But had she married the other fellow, it wouldn't have been God's best. And he would have been limited from blessing in their household. Read First Peter, the third chapter. It talks about your prayers are hindered when you've got strife and envy and division between the husband and the wife, does it not? 
In the seventh chapter of First Corinthians, I want to teach on this entire chapter. Let's just look at verse 39 right now. Verse 39. The wife, the husband and the wife, are bound to each other as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. I want to say this to you. You are bound to your husband, to your wife, so long as they live. In the sight of God, this is the way it is. And you've got to know it now. You have got to know that right now. Now, in this letter, matter of fact, look at the first verse. In this first verse, we find that because there was no light on the subject, the Corinthians wrote to Paul. They, now concerning the things whereof you wrote me. They wrote to Paul. They wrote and asked him. They said, Brother Paul, uh, we've got members in our church. Some of them got saved, but their husbands didn't get saved. Their husbands packed their bags and left. What are they to do? They said, Brother Paul, uh, there's other situations. Um, is... We've got two. One's a believer. The other one's a non-believer. They said, what are we supposed to do in this situation? Uh, the, the one's treating the other one bad. What should the believer do in this situation? Paul gives the answer. You won't find this under the law. Why? Because there was no church then. You won't find this in the, in the Old Testament. You won't find this under the law. This had to be given through the Apostle Paul because there was no law on the subject. We're not talking about a nation now. We're not talking about two Jewish people. We're talking about two non-believers that got, maybe one or the other got born again and there were no rules or regulations for that. The only thing close to it is when a Jewish person got married to a heathen person and they were considered outcasts and their children were unclean. They had no rights. Matter of fact, look at, look at verse four, uh, 14. I want to get into this. And all of you that are not married, you need to know this right now before you get into, into any of this. Verse 14. For the unbelieving is sanctified by the wife, and the, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else were your children unclean. And I've heard people, I, I used to just, and that baffled me. I used to just sit back and say, now Lord, what does that mean? And I had somebody, they don't know what it meant. Somebody else said, well, it means that their husband's saved. Or their children are saved. And this and that. And I hear people try to explain it and explain it. And I said, now, this is ridiculous. Seemed like nobody got a solid answer on what he's saying here. But you see, Paul was going back and showing them the difference under the law and being born again. Under the law, if you found two individuals that were married and one was a Jew and the other one was a Gentile, they were considered a mixed breed. Their children were considered born unholy or unclean. But they cannot carry that from the old covenant into the new covenant because those two got married. How could they be born again? They were never born. They didn't have any knowledge of being born again. But these two individuals, one of them got saved, and now they're in a situation where one's a believer and the other one's not. Does this rule pertain? Are they unclean children? No. Paul says, no. We're not unclean children. Because there's a believer in the family, everything's all right. That doesn't mean a husband's saved. He can be won by the lifestyle of the, of the wife. And the children can still grow up in Christianity. But the other way, under the Jewish law, they was kicked out. They wouldn't consider to have any rights. They were unclean children. And that's why he's explaining this. You have to read this entire letter in this light, and you have to read it in light of verse 26. I'm, I'm sorry, the entire chapter. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. He's talking about some things in this chapter that was happening right at that present time. There was persecution and affliction and trials coming against the body like never before. 
at that particular time, and he was giving these answers in accordance to the times they were living in. They pertain to us today in a certain extent, and they still pertain. But we're not living under the same distress that they were living in. That's why he said, some of them, he said, you're better off to stay unmarried. But he wasn't making that a rule that everybody should stay unmarried. He wasn't saying that. But he's relating it to us, showing them that under the present conditions, it would be better to do this, but it's not wrong to do this. So he's laying down the law here. And he's showing you in the New Testament where we live, if you're born again, and if you're both saved, and you're or, or one saved and the other one's not saved, then you fall under the category of verses 12, 13, and 14. 15 also. 12 through 15. And then you could read verse 27 28. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.